On behalf of the NFL Scotland podcast, there now follows a statement from Cameron Hobbs. I've addressed this matter with Paul. Specifics of our conversation will be held in confidence. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Paul's remorse and I believe he is sincere. Now, he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Paul to everyone who supports, represents, or plays a part for our NFL Scotland team. I am confident he will deliver. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Yes, an official statement. We had to get that out of the way after going 6-0 in the pick six, celebrating too much, even though his team absolutely blew it. As we're picking apart week four, Mitchell's a no-show. My name is Cameron Hobbs. But it's fine because we've got two other members of the NFL Scotland podcast team that are stepping up. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by them this evening. So first of all, hot on the heels of yet another win, his team back in form. Good evening, Charles Patterson. Hey, how you doing? He's been benched, hasn't he? He's, he's not here. He's been benched. He's been and benched. So, so bad form, given who else is here with us, well, given the result on Sunday. He's, so he's been benched, or he's bottled it. Right, we got a message from Paul this morning, just for clarity. He has the cold, or a flu, he reckons. So he's been in his bed all day, and we decided to, to we would accept his decline for this evening's podcast, and we would continue as scheduled and we were bringing in the absolutely elated Jamie Borthwick. Good evening, Jamie. You must be I over thought, the moon. I thought I was getting brought in basically just to bam up Paul. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I've been sort of living in a sort of weird, fantastical dream haze since Sunday. Um, <laughs> I think I reacted on the grip chat um, with a well. Um, <laughs> when we actually went and won that, possibly, possibly an expletive in there as well. Um, incredible. Didn't see it coming. No, I mean, it was an entertaining game. And you're saying about bamming up Paul. If he's got the cold, he'll be getting bammed up one way or the other, no matter what's happening. Um, <laughs> but it it was a thrilling game that the Giants showed real character in. And I think that's perhaps the thing that's been missing. They've shown that they've been capable of scoring, but it's been at the final stages that they've just wilted and kind of just disappeared towards the end. Now, it didn't start all that great. You know, Graham Gano missing, the streak is over. Uh, and mm. and on not, it wasn't, it wasn't that far out. So, you know, at that point, you're thinking, that, here we go again. Down in it late, but real character to come through. Um, and you must be pleased with that above all else. Yeah, absolutely spot on. They'd threatened to show character this season, but they'd never actually gone and shown it. Um, it was like they were all the, all the setbacks. They were so focused on all the setbacks and all the old linemen going down and all the injuries and all the people that weren't quite fit yet. And actually, I think last week's loss was so bad that it just boiled it back down to the basics again. They 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 realised that they were in a really horrendous spot after that um, Atlanta loss, and then they just went out and, and balled. And yeah, guys getting fitter, particularly Galladay and and Barkley, and then Pony as well actually. But none of them had any off season really whatsoever to speak of. Um, and the difference in them now that they're getting up to speed is is massive. Um, and we'd said all along that Daniel Jones wasn't actually playing badly. In fact. He was possibly the only one in the team that wasn't playing badly and he was trying to drag them through. And when the pieces around them started to work, you really, really saw it come together. So great, but it's only one win and it's another tough one next week. So, um, uh, yeah, you can't, <laughs> can't get too overexcited uh, at a one in three. Jamie, I'm curious. Daniel Jones has been a bit of a punch bag on this podcast um, and rightly so at times because generally he can't hold the ball. Um, and the the, the franchise as a whole has underperformed for, for years. Do you get the sense that although they're, they've dug themselves in a bit of a hole, that actually they can make a playoff run after what you saw on Sunday? Oh, a playoff run. Because the NFC is not brilliant, let's be honest. It's not, especially the NFC East. It's, it's it's really not. It's really not. Um, it's, it's it's a stretch right now because, because I've still have all the bad memories of weeks one to three kind of just sort of swirling around my mind as opposed to like the um, the, the joy of finally actually winning one. 
on Sunday there, I, I'm still concerned about the deficiencies, particularly in the defence, because the defence was so good last year and has looked so flat and uninspired this year. And I, and I think is still struggling to find a pass rush, which is which is going to be a, a major issue. And if the if the defense can't get back up to the to the sort of level they were playing at last year, then absolutely no way. But um, when Daniel Jones plays like that, and he does get a kicking, he was getting a kicking from basically. I had this conversation with somebody. He was getting a kicking from everyone apart from most Giants fans um, and massive stats wonks. Because stats people have always loved him as well. They, they've always thought that he would come good um, because he's just got these sort of base fundamentals to his game that if the pieces are there and the scheme is right, then they'll get something out of him. Um, and I think performances like Sundays can make him feel comfortable as a franchise guy, as a franchise face. And I think everyone benefits from that. I look at the next... Uh, five, <laughs> like five games. The Giants, their their schedule is unbelievably difficult. You've got Dallas, obviously, next week, and then the Rams, the Panthers, who are playing pretty well, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. So you'll know by the bye week whether or not there's even the remotest chance of a playoff that, run. But we go back to the easy. NFC East. It's not a great division. Even by New York media standards, the. Um, fallout from those first three weeks was awful because those were the games to win. <laughs> everyone, knew that it, everyone knew that it was backloaded, the, 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 the first kind of half of the season. It was front-loaded with easier games and then it got harder and harder and harder. Hey, that's that's just that's the, that's the, the bed that made for themselves. Look at the weapons when they got Galladay and Tony going. Um, Barkley in the run game and with an absolutely phenomenal um uh, pass catch touchdown um, and they've still got Sterling Shepard to come back who's been playing really well despite the results as well um, Slayton is a deep threat but to be honest it's starting to fall down the down the, the pecking order now all of those weapons are there now and if Daniel Jones is balling and if the O-line is actually getting something together now um, then they'll gain momentum, and momentum can carry them through some pretty tricky um, matchups. When was the last time both New York teams won on the same weekend? Come on, stat man. I've forgotten <laughs> that the Jets won. It just <laughs> I was waiting for Cameron to throw up some amazing kind of blinder <laughs> bit of uh, information here, but he's clearly not prepared. Enough, no, there so. was a there was a stat that uh, Scott Hansen talked about. When was the last time both New York teams were in overtime on the same day and both to win in overtime? I think it's the first time ever they've both won in overtime on the same day. Um, but the last time they were both in overtime was only like 2017 or something like that. It wasn't that long ago. One of those funny ones that you think, oh, this is never. Oh, actually, nah, four years ago. Never mind. Let's move on. Um, how nice though to have a pecking order at all, Jamie. Wide receiver like that even feels like an alien term when we've been talking about the Giants recently. But you know, Jones is Jones is playing well, and let's not take it away. That's a solid Saints defense. That's not a bum team, and they were in front, so you know they're playing for the game. Need to talk though about overtime rules. This is something we've talked about before, and I know Gordon's got his view and Paul's had his view. I'm not sure we've talked about it in great detail with you two, but. The whole situation where you win the coin toss, you score a touchdown, you walk off the park. Now, obviously, Jamie, you've benefited from it greatly. The flip to that is that you never get to see the ball. It feels still that this is an area, certainly I would love to see the NFL address and make it a little bit more balanced. I just hate overtime anyway. It's, it's, it's rubbish. I hate games going to overtime. But I think we've got the best, worst scenario with the, the rules at the moment. You can't win the game just by kicking a field goal. Great, because that would be dreadful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it puts a lot on the coin toss. But I mean, honestly, like, who wants overtime to last longer? Absolutely nobody. No. So uh, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not great. But neither is overtime. So I think the rules we've got just now are actually, yeah, I don't think they can be improved. I I, I do think that there's an element uh, of an idea there that they should consider even if you do score a touchdown, that the other team should get a chance to have a pop at the ball. Because the problem lies in the fact that American sport doesn't like ties. That's the, that is the issue here. 
you know, we we live in a, a largely rugby or soccer world here in the United, or soccer football in the United Kingdom, where mm-hmm. um, we're okay with a draw. This is the crux of the issue is not the overtime rules. The crux of the issue is the fact Americans don't like draws. They don't like ties. So if 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 they were to get that mindset uh, and change it slightly, then at least if it was to give the opportunity to some, for somebody, you know, if they concede a touchdown to to be able to go up the park and have a have a few you know, minutes left in order to to reply, then I think that it actually would work out fine. I take I take your point, but it is it, it it's not right. If if that happens in the Super Bowl, there will be an outcry, and actually they'll probably change it. It just never has happened in the Super Bowl. It happened in the championship game um, a couple of years ago when the Patriots went up the up the field. They won the coin toss, and Mahomes had to sit there and watch it happen. But if they it happens need, in the Super Bowl, there will be an outcry. They need their version of a penalty shootout. Oh, so yeah. what would we have? What would it be? So would it be? All the all the players having to take field goals. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like the college. Absolutely. I still like the NCAA rules. I like the fact that you get a shot at the ball from the basically. Let's make it the red zone. Let's start at the twenty yard line. You get one drive to get it into oh. the uh, the end zone. There's no first downs there. You get one drive. You get it into the end zone. You either score or you don't score, and then it goes around. Um, you get one shot. You don't do it. The other team does it. Game over. It could be as quick as that. Overtime could literally be a couple of throws and it's done. Um, I think it would be high-octane and entertaining. Now, granted, that's going to benefit teams that set themselves up for attack and offense. But that's the game. Like, you don't win if you don't score points. So I, I, I feel like, you know, instead of them focusing on hammering the taunting and all that kind of stuff, I still feel like this is something that they could just fine-tune and they could make it thrilling. They could make overtime something to actually go, oh, brilliant, this is good. You know, in a, in a really high entertaining offensive game, you know, imagine the Chiefs-Packers. I think they play in, like, week eight or something like that. Imagine that goes to overtime and that's the overtime rules. You'd be like, brilliant. Both quarterbacks are getting a single play from the 20-yard line until someone, like, scores and someone doesn't. That could be brilliant. You know, you're just talking, like, adding in extra touchdowns. So... I think there's an opportunity there to have a thrilling, high-octane, entertaining game. Um, and I would like to see them give it a try. Give it a try. It's far too sensible. It's far too sensible. I want to see a nose tackle take a field goal. <laughs> to be fair, I think that that's a fair... I would, I'd rather pay to see that as well. It's all about entertainment at the end of the day. I'd like to see you take the field goal, Cameron, because we've, we've, seen, we've seen you uh, brag about your uh, quarterbacking skills this week. <laughs> no, I'd like to see you take never... a field goal in the middle of... Just in the middle of the game. For clarity, I've never bragged about my quarterback skill. I can't quarterback. All I said was I could get a yard. And we'll, we'll, we'll get, get back, back to that to later. Yeah. Um, so let's go back, though, to the Thursday night football game. Because actually, again, the 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 sort of primetime games continue to be really good and entertaining. The Jags managed to throw that game away against the Bengals. I genuinely thought, oh, the Jags are really, this is their coming out party for the season. They blow it, um, and ultimately the Bengals come on and win. Jacksonville now lost 19 straight games, the longest streak since Detroit in 2007 to 2009. Um, that's a, a horrible stat that they're going to want to get off their back, and we obviously made light of the statement at the top of this. It's bad enough when you see your running back make a fumble. You definitely don't want to see your head coach doing it, um, and that's just going to add further complications to that changing room. Got to be worrying times in Jacksonville. Coaches... Um, are not allowed off the hook like that. I'm sorry. The players are. We've been. We've. We've. Some of you people have watched um, that, uh, that 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 hilarious, completely over the top uh, NFL um, parody of a show. What was it? Ballers. Yeah. And you saw what NFL players get up to in their spare time, uh, which obviously is fiction. And don't take it too seriously, people. But coaches. Cannot cross that line. He's he's meant to be a bit more mature, a little bit more sensible. He's meant to be setting an example. I am amazed that they've kept him kept faith with him, especially all the stories that have been coming out of the locker room uh, prior to you know that that incident. And yeah, he doesn't have a locker room to bat from anymore. But you know, correct. it's done. It's it's over, and he's not going to win games to make up for it. Which Madness. makes me think that the only reason he gets to stay at grace is because. Who's going to come in and just steward over a losing team for the next four months? It's not going to happen. Must be a sackable offence, surely, and from a contractual point of view, for something like that. But 
if it isn't, then you do kind of question the the ownership and what they're thinking. But from the point of view of the team, the team appear to be getting marginally better week on week. But you've got a situation where you've got the biggest talent of the last decade coming out of the college system who is clearly struggling. He's got an offensive system that doesn't work very well. And then suddenly the coach goes off on the, well, what can be described as the Randan in the local bar? <laughs> and I mean, so, they, they come not a happy to, place. They come into the weekend. We will talk about week five. They've got the Titans. Now, obviously, the Titans just lost to the Jets, but the Titans were without their two wide receivers. The Jets, you know, the one thing that Robert Salah can do is defend. And what could they do? They could figure out how to defend the Titans when, Basically, the only threat is Derrick Henry. So I thought Robert Salah played an absolute blinder there. But, you know, you've got to imagine that the Titans are going to get their, at least one of their two wide receivers backs. Um, and then the Jags have got a tough game. So can the Jags defend Derrick Henry like that? I don't know that they can. Derrick Henry has repeatedly destroyed that uh, defensive line and the linebackers and the secondary. That I remember that Thursday night football game where he went up 200 yards or something like that a couple of seasons ago. Just absolutely nuts. Um, this could be 20 defeats on the trot for the Jags. So not only have they got that stinking long-term record that's hanging over their head, but they've got the question mark with Urban Meyer. And this is the point. So, fine, nobody's going to come in probably and take it. I, I reckon somebody would if, you know, to, to try and prove themselves. But if you're the Jags, do you just cut your losses down and go, do you know what, this is clearly not going to work long term. This is already not panning out. Or do you give Meyer more of a chance? There's been so much chat already about his head being turned by college jobs, USC and things like that. This nonsense, obviously, in the bar. Do you just cut your losses now and go like, do you know what, we got this wrong. Let's build up for the rest of the year. Let's get Lawrence's new head coach. You can They can figure each other out. And then next year, we're good to go. It could be an issue around money um, as well and payoffs because if it's not a contractual breach, what's happened is it's certainly a moral breach. So there could be loads of stuff going on in the background that ultimately is, is causing them no end of grief. I mean, the seasons are right off already. Mm-hmm. So listen, um, when, once you become a write off after an own four start, you very quickly become irrelevant in the NFL. But what you don't want to do is turn your franchise into a comedy show. And that's what they've done, unfortunately, with this decision to back him. I mean, it would have shown, shown much stronger leadership if they just said, look, you've got to go. And they've not done it. So on to the Jets then. Uh, a fascinating win for them. Zach Wilson showed a little bit. You know, we spoke last week about rookie quarterbacks. And actually, it was a decent week for most of them. Um, you know, even, you could even say, like, Trevor Lawrence had one of his better games. Um, obviously, Justin Fields, a lot better. The Bears looked much, much better. Finals against the Lions, but still, huge step forward from the week before. Um, Mac Jones had a very wet game against a very tough team, so fine. But Trey Lance even started to get going when he came into that game. Actually, the rookie quarterbacks look good. And I thought Zach Wilson was quite impressive. And there's we're not going to get overly excited here, but there's little signs of life there in that Jets team as Robert Sala starts to get hold, starts to get them into his way of thinking. And again, the defensive performance and the character shone through. And I guess the character is the element that you can really draw from that and go like, right, we've got the right mental stuff. Now let's work on the physical stuff behind it. Yeah, I think it was starting to become a uh, a bit of a talking point that the rookie quarterbacks were all um, struggling. I, I think it's probably one of the hardest years to be a rookie quarterback, given the year or non-year that they've just experienced coming in. I thought you saw it particularly with Fields the first time he came in and he had to just try and get the Bears over the line. The nerves in him in front of a you know big, noisy crowd it it, it showed just just how hard this leap is going has been. And I think it's the same for all of them. Now, it's it was really nice to see the signs of life come out of all of them. Mac Jones putting in a really kind of um, more fluid performance, um, more accurate performance as well. Um, seeing Lance getting his chance and, and, and taking it. Zach Wilson had some absolutely appalling plays, but everyone knew that there was an, an, an unbelievable talent in there. And it was great to see some, you know, some of the stuff he was throwing was phenomenal. Just more um, at ease, maybe, with themselves, more at ease with the surroundings. And it just shows that there's absolutely no substitute for uh, time at the crease for these guys. The, the the play that really impressed me was Zach Wilson when he rolled out 
and he could see oh, 40 yeah. yards down yeah. the field, but Corey Davis could get beyond the safety because the safety had dropped in. And he's pointing at him saying, get yeah. up the bloody field. And, and then he launches <laughs> a missile. And obviously it results in a touchdown. Now, mm. he is, by all accounts, he's not streaky. He's borderline um, Brett Favre-esque at times. He will throw interceptions, but he's got an absolute rocket for an arm. So if you're a New York Jets, New, if you're a New York Jets fan and you've been living in purgatory since Joe Namath retired... <laughs> You know, strap it, strap yourself in because actually it could be quite good fun um, over the next few years. What I would you you touched on Trey Lance. I want to grill Cameron here. Yeah. I want to know if Cameron thinks Trey Lance should start and be the starter from now on, regardless of whether Garoppolo is injured. Because frankly, I we touched on this last week. Yeah. I'm if I'm Trey Lance, I'm not sure whether I'm coming or going at the moment. And Shanahan has been all smoke and mirrors and mystical offensive guru for the last two or three years and now he's in a situation because Garoppolo who is clearly has got limbs made of glass is injured again yeah he's got to play him is he now the default starter going forward and if so as a team can you achieve anything because I don't think I've seen anything from Trey Lance to suggest that you can do that oh savage um so this is a very interesting one, and I genuinely do not know the answer to it. I don't know where I'd come down on this. Uh, Shanahan has said today that Garoppolo might be fit for Sunday. And actually, the, the, with the game that we've got against the Cardinals, it's a tough game. If you look at the way that they are, I think that if Garoppolo's fit, you still start Garoppolo. And the reason Why? for it, the <laughs> reason for it is I don't think it will do Trey Lance any favours to come in at that point of the season to get a whooping. Uh, not him personally, the the Niners in general, because I, I'm worried about that game for sure. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna do the Niners any good if he doesn't if he does start, because he can't he can't marshal that offense to, to put thirty points past Arizona. Totally. Like, it's totally. not gonna happen. Um, and I think that if you look at the schedule coming up as well, you know, there's 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 games later in the year where it might be the sorts of games where you'd bring them into it. Um, you know, you look at the penultimate game of the year and you look at the Niners-Texans. I think the plan was probably always going to be let Jimmy take this team, let Jimmy take it as far as he can, and then if things ain't working towards the end of the year, it's Trey Lance time. Right, Trey, you're getting the last couple of games. You've got the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans, and then you've got a tough one against the Rams. That's your four-game birth of fire to get you ready for next year, and we're already looking at 2022. Um, the issue for me has definitely come from the fact that the, the, the running back committee room is decimated with Raheem Mostert. He's a huge, huge loss. Um, I think that Mitchell came in and looked good. He's carrying a knock. I think that Sermon's not quite ready to go, and I think that that's an issue area. Debo Samuel, though, but I mean, holy moly, um, great performance. Even George Kettle's not 100%, and we're putting him out there because we have to. So, you know, there's, there's definitely injury issues once again, and more players leaving the field on Sunday. You know, Trent Cannon, you know, Cannon is hopefully cut by this point. I haven't seen it, but, you know, absolutely blew it twice in a row. It's just shambolic. But, um, yeah, it, I, when Lance came in, he looked rusty and he looked out of sync and it didn't look right. Now, there were junk time points, absolutely. But I know Seattle is not going to be giving up junk time points if they can possibly avoid it. Um, and I thought that Trey Lance had a couple of throws that looked really, really good. The one thing is, is, is quite Colin Kaepernick-like in that he just seems to throw it at 100 miles an hour. Um, we have seen some lovely plays, and obviously one of the first plays was that blown coverage that got Debo Samuel the massive touchdown. But there's elements there in him that I think are great. So bringing this all background, I'm okay with whatever happens next. If Trey Lance starts, uh, fine, great, give him the season, it's his now. <laughs> but it's his now, and that's a worry. If Jimmy starts and we bench him for a while longer, I'll be okay with that too. I am not expecting to make... I would love to make the postseason. I don't think we will. I think we will end up with about six, seven wins, uh, maybe eight if we're really lucky. I don't anticipate any more than that. That is the most pathetic case of fence-sitting. It is absolutely on the fence. Because I, absolutely because I ridiculous. I genuinely don't know the answer to it. I would love and to do see And do you know what? what? I, I would say... But frankly, San Francisco have got a borderline Super Bowl caliber roster. I think it's negligent of the organization 
to be putting the organization in this position where you've got a controversy. Yep. They should, if they, if fair enough. Oh yeah. They drafted Trey Lance number three. They went up for him. Despite the fact half the, half of the American media thinking they were going after Mike Jones. Um, and apparently Garoppolo was okay with it. It was inevitable. It was absolutely inevitable that this was going to happen at some point. And if you are in the Niners locker room, what are you expecting? You know, and, and you're Nick Bosa, or if you're one of these players who got that close to winning the Super Bowl two years ago, you're thinking, hang on a minute, we're good enough to win this division. And yet they're pissing around with who's the quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, I don't... the best running back on the roster is Trey Lance. Give him the ball at <laughs> halfback. <laughs> I don't think we're good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I think the reason above all else is the secondary on defense. It's shite. Um and it's it's shite. So I think that's too much of a problem and that's what needs addressed. That if if we were so much of a Super Bowl contender, we would have gone and made a play for a running back as soon as Mostert got injured. Signed about sixteen haven't. different running backs and they all get injured. Well, indeed, <laughs> but you know we've not we. So Marlon picking up picking up draws off waivers isn't the same as making a play for a running back. Yes, uh, so Marlon Mack is available. Don't back him up here. Marlon Mack is available for a trade. Right, <laughs> if we thought we had a, a an opportunity, we would go and trade for Marlon Mack. We'd chuck a fourth rounder over to yes. the Colts and say give us Mac that's exactly the player who could slot into our backfield we're back in play but I don't know that we are and I think that this is a learning year for Trey Lance I think next year is what they hope is a Super Bowl year or certainly a Super Bowl run uh, and we've got to try and keep all the pieces together but we've got the most important ones on big contracts so you know we've got a couple of years of Nick Bosa's rookie contract year he's just coming back from injury I could go on, 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 on. So I think ultimately I don't have high expectations this year. I'm okay with whatever they do as long as by we get to that Falcons game, I want it to be Trey Lance that's under centre. We, so, we could tell you had you had no high expectations when you started backing them in the pickup. Well, so. <laughs> I did that because I get nothing but abuse. I get nothing but abuse when yeah, I always right, back okay. against them. And the one time I did it, they blew so. I have to say, I think it's interesting. We're here now four weeks in and there's only one undefeated team left. And it's the Arizona Cardinals. I wonder what the odds would have been on that at the start of September. I think, um, I mean, obviously they went and demolished the Rams in their own stadium. It's very interesting because there's clearly flaws in that team. But they on, on offense, they are borderline unstoppable at the moment. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's a team that can live with them or whether there's a team that can slow them down, which I think actually is the bigger issue here because they're they're getting to the point where they're scoring like the Chiefs did a couple of years ago. Yeah. So major, major Chiefs vibes. Yeah. Um, and it's exactly where Cliff Kingsbury wants to have his offense, isn't it? He wants to have Kyler just absolutely flying. And um yeah, no, I mean I thought I thought the cards were going to be up there. I did. Um but the sort of untouchable way that they've been um not swatting these teams aside is, is quite something. Massive Chiefs vibes. And yeah, um, the offense is quite a quite a thing to behold. So, but it's early, it's early, um, and you know things can things can swing, can't they? And when you've got maybe a setup that's built um, as fast and potentially loose as that, you never know. It only takes it only takes the right opposition um, to, to to knock them off, doesn't it? They've got. Um, I was looking at the apart from the San Francisco game this weekend. They've got the, the next three weeks will be really interesting. Um, apart from the game that they're playing in week seven, which is the Texans. Which let's be honest, Man. given the way the Texans played last weekend, right. the Cardinals should probably put eighty points on them. But in week six, <laughs> they've got the Browns, and they in week eight they're playing Green Bay, and I think that's a Thursday night game. And I I, I don't tend to ever stay up for these. Um, primetime games at night but there's a part of me that's thinking I might just sacrifice my Friday morning to watch that because that could be an absolute uh, f- an absolutely fascinating game and potentially a, a you know a championship game dress rehearsal but I'll be interested to see what they do with the Browns because the Browns went to the you know you know went to the Vikings 
uh, at the weekend. And the Vikings had had an unstoppable offense and then got limited to seven points. Cleveland have got a very, very, very good defense. So I think that will be the biggest test of Arizona's credentials in a couple of weeks. The Rams have a very good defense, but Kyler Murray makes well, look you, bang average. You say that, but the Rams have conceded 911 yards in two weeks. <laughs> so the Rams defense is not as good as maybe people think it is. Um, and obviously they were up against the Buccaneers the week before. Yeah, so two, who are a good offense. Two so offensive played two juggernauts. Good, yeah, they've played two offensive juggernauts and they've conceded a barrel load of points. Yeah, so yeah. I, listen, it's an offensive league. It's a quarterback driven league. We talk about this all the time. The best defense in the league at the moment on paper and in terms of performance is Buffalo Bills. Who are the Bills playing this weekend? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So again, we'll find out the acid test comes along pretty quick in the NFL. You know, you could be on a good run for two or three weeks and then suddenly your you know your bum gets bitten. And we saw that with the Raiders on Monday night. You know, mm. they, they, were, they were flying and then they go into a place which is hostile against a divisional rival and then they get dug in a hole and they can't get out against the Chargers. So there's always a test just around the corner. So that's why it's so, it fluctuates so much. That's why we love it. <laughs> right. Uh, there's plenty of other games and we will talk about them because we're going to move on uh, and, and look at our Loch Lomond Belter nomination of the week. So this is where we turn to your thoughts. Uh, we get your nominations uh, and we chat through who we think uh, are the right people. So um, there are a couple right away for the Cardinals. Paul O'Shea, the only 4-0 team, beating the Rams for the first time in forever, sitting top of the division after everyone expecting them to be dead last. Plenty of time for them still to make a mess of it, but it's a damn good start. Uh, Ali Gunn also says the Cardinals, the last unbeaten team in the league, two impressive wins against highly rated opponents, the Titans and the Rams, strong defensive front and powerful offensive on show in both games. Uh, grinded out victories in games that we that we, they would usually lose, Vikings and Jags. The defense can be porous at times, but has stepped up big time. So definitely a contender. There's a couple of people, we talked about this earlier on, for Zach Wilson. Uh, Joan Sparsha, Joe, uh, Greg Keen, and Craig Devine. Joe says, the boy who shall lead us got his NFL win and the Jets their first win of the season. It wasn't perfect, but he really did stand tall in the pocket and deliver some wow throws off script. After, after an awful first three weeks, it was great for this fantasy's team win ahead of heading to London. Um, another one as well, for getting his first one in the NFL and looking like the player he was worthy of the number two pick overall. Um, Tyreek Hill gets a number of nominations. Scott Kirkwood, Johnny Bailey, David Duncan. Uh, Scott just says, doing what Hill does, an absolute joy to watch. Johnny says, three touchdowns and back to his scintillating best. I was going to vote the Jets, but they are still the Jets. Um, and David says, he's won many a fantasy game with that performance this week. Outshined everyone on the Chiefs team, including Kelsey. The New York football, couple of people. So Kenny Law, New York nominated for the teams for the ball bag last week. More than deserving of the belt of this week. Good to see the Giants and the Jets get going. New York deserves good teams. Um, and Fergus says the same. Jets and Giants both winning in overtime for their first wins of the year. So well done, New York. A couple of other nominations in here. Dawson Knox. Um, he gets one belter for performance, backed him to score two touchdowns at the cost of the bookies. 100% catch success on the season of catchable passes. Great block work to help out Singletary and Moss. That comes from Philip Spears. Um, Corderell Parson says Dave Nichols. The Falcons appear to have done something that no other team could, and they figured out how to use Corderell Parson. Monster game from a monster athlete. Uh, and then Paddy Kelly simply says, can't think of any... Reason, none. So, um, yes, everyone's getting a nomination, including nobody. So, yeah. Um, not, not a unanimous vote this week yes. at all. I have to say, I like, the, I like the opportunity to give it to the city of New York for actually having two teams win on the same weekend. Because let's be honest, that's probably not going to happen ever again. Um, but I have to mention my own um, nomination. Also, Gordon who couldn't be bothered to turn up because he's playing football McGuinness's nomination. Um, John Harbaugh for the utter shithousery of running on the final play of the game to tie the rushing record for the Ravens. That was debatable, yeah. I don't think we can give that, but that was an absolute 
30 it's a bit minutes. Niche. It's a bit niche. I, yes, I agree. I, I actually agree. I thought brilliant from John Harbaugh. That's the kind of stuff you want to see. There's a record yeah, at stake it's, here. It's, we it's could got Gordon knee. written all over it. But it's, it's got McGuinness written all but over it. But we could take a knee or we could run one more run, which is what we're doing, and let's go for a new record. I think that's... It's, it would have been it would have been mildly ironic if um, the, the runner had been smashed and had his ACL. <laughs> injured. And Imagine if Lamar Jackson was injured on the playing out for the season. Yeah, <laughs> well, yes, he wouldn't be nominated for a belter then. My uh, my belter is um, I have to say, and I I don't really like the Dallas Cowboys, but I've got to give it to Trevon Diggs. Utterly ridiculous what he's done in the first four weeks, and actually it's it's game changing because. Dallas's defence was possibly the worst in history last season. And now they're suddenly legitimately good. And actually, it, it makes them, in my view, a Super Bowl contender because we all knew that the offence was good. But suddenly they've got a lockdown cornerback. Um, so half the field is gone. And that makes a hell of a lot of difference in the NFL. It doesn't take so. much to make a team a Super Bowl contender for you, does it? Nah, it doesn't. One Thirty-two teams, you know, you always get a chance. <laughs> Listen, you got an overtime win over the Saints, and they had you in the playoffs. Like this is it. I love it. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, momentum is firmly that, yeah. in the Patterson sales. Um, on Trevon Diggs, David Drybara and Sean Breen both agree with you. Uh, David says another two interceptions to make it five and four games. Surely must be a front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and Sean Breen says the Cowboys secondary has been absolutely hopeless for the last few years, but their 2020 draft pick Trevon Diggs is stepping up and helping improve that. There are another two interceptions at crucial moments on Sunday, taking his tally to five and four. Um, and that's against a good uh, Panthers team and Sam Darnold playing bloody well as well. So the Dallas Cowboys do appear to be back, as much as it pains me to say. Uh, they do certainly have momentum on their side and they're playing very, very well. Jamie, your nomination for Belter this week? I, I really like the idea of the nominating the city of New York until I realised how inflamed I got at uh, the naming of joint man of the match in one of the English games on Sunday. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not having it, actually. I'll come full circle on that. That's nonsense. Um, <laughs> the better the of the week is Daniel Jones because he takes so much nonsense over folk who don't understand how good a player he is. And for him to finally stuff it up folk at the weekend, he's the better. Okay. Um, so... I guess I've got a casting vote here. Well, it is your podcast. Trevon, so. Trevon <laughs> Diggs, Trevon Diggs, or Daniel Jones, or a another that I throw into the mix and we argue it out. I mean, Tyreek Hill definitely deserves something. Do you know what? Paul Mitchell deserves one for his six and zero performance in the pick six. That's the only compliment <laughs> he's getting. So we'll move on Auto- quickly. Automatically defaults on not turning up. Yeah. So. <laughs> That was his only opportunity, and he didn't turn up. He didn't turn up. He won't do 6-0 again. Um, do you know what? I I think that, yeah, the, the step up from Diggs, because of how disappointing that Cowboys team has been and how good he's been, I think it has to go to Travon Diggs. So congratulations, Diggs. You are the NFL Scotland Loch Lomond Whiskey Belter of the Week. And then that leads us on to the Bobag nominations. So, ah, there's a few here, so I need to try and get through this. Um, I start. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. You've had a pre-submitted entry, haven't you? Yes, pre-submitted by the aforementioned G. McGuinness, who obviously is very passionate about this particular award. Bobag nomination for the week, Cameron Hobbs. Oh, fancy that. And the reasons are as follows. Multiple reasons. Three, three multiple reasons. Number one, claiming that he could throw for a yard in the NFL on last week's podcast. Right, let's stop I, there. I'd no, I, let, let Fine, me okay, I'll hear all three and then... Let me finish. Fine. I do not care that the poll was split 50-50. He could not do this, and fine well, he knows that. So now you can respond. Uh, Mr. <laughs> McGuinness needs to accept the views of the people. Um, it is split 50-50. It is inconclusive. I I am happy with that. I'll be honest. I didn't expect ten percent of the vote. I thought that people would turn oh, on me did. pretty quickly. Of course, quickly. you did. I thought that I would be shot down, such as you guys were so quick to do. So I put out a throwaway comment, and you jumped on me like rabid dogs. Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> throwaway comment. Hey, oh, you could be a comedian. Um, reason number two: 
shite trade offers, quote unquote. Please excuse the language. Today, he sent me a trade offer that Yahoo's evaluator estimated would cost me 80 points between now and the end of the season. Okay, so that is also, so this is true. And I, 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 we shouldn't be talking about this on this podcast for a start. So, so counterbalance uh, Bob Bag for bringing our fantasy reason, league into this, but whatever. Correct. Reason number three, crying about Cliff Kingsbury wearing sunglasses and using the NFL Scotland account to use it because he was bitter about his team being humped at the same time in another game. Cliff Kingsbury is 4-0 and he can wear sunglasses wherever he wants. Cameron so, is therefore a ball bag. So I, th- I think we should leave it to Jamie here, who has obviously only just heard this now, and get his take on this. Sunglasses in a dome on a sideline with no sun on it. Fine, he's 4-0 and they're playing freaking brilliant and they are <laughs> highly entertaining to watch. I can't... Sunglasses indoors in a non-sunny area. They looked, they looked polarised to me, in which case, absolutely acceptable. <laughs> I think I think you're polarised. He's not um, having it. He's not listen, having it. Listen, it's fine. Gordon was. The, Gordon seemed to be the most upset by this. He's talking about me crying. I put a throwaway comment because there was another Bob Ag nomination. Who's going to be the winner? But this is a spoiler alert. There's one person's won it, right? And we'll talk yeah, through well, it. We'll come back to it. And this was a follow-up yeah. because I'd seen someone with a fashion statement that I thought was honking, and I saw someone else. Nothing to do with my team getting beat. My team get beat regularly. I'm not salty. I don't do salty. It was just a, a, you know, Gordon got very upset about me questioning his fashion. And I'm not even questioning his fashion. This is just the unwritten rule. If he rocks up at 5-0 and in socks and sandals, I'm going to question socks and sandals, right? It's irrelevant how many games you've won. There's certain things that just, I think, you look like a bit of a tool. It was funny. Some people, mostly Cardinals fans, shot me down for it. And that's fine. I get it. I get it. It's not... It's not a big thing. I just thought he just looked a bit stupid. Watch out! Watch out for the salty cardinals, massive. Oh, absolutely, they be salty. Um, so, and quite rightly too. I'm all for saltiness. Bring it on. Um, right, okay. We're going to get into um, the other one. So, Dave Nichol, Trenton Cannon, a muffed punt, uh, and a fumble on the same play, basically handing Seattle the game. Booser. So we'll start off with that because I'd like to get that one out of the way, talking about saltiness. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight for Urban Myers. Fergus, Phil Spears, Patrick Wilson, Callum Buckin, Craig Devine, Joe, uh, Sparshat, Steve Collins, Mark Ingram, all of them. Urban Meyer for his behaviour on Thursday night, which takes him one step closer to a college return, led astray by his unruly grandchildren and forced to dance with voluptuous wenches, says Callum Buckin. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think Callum's nailed it. <laughs> That's it's pretty much there. Um but yeah, who else gets here? The NFL ref says Paddy Kelly. Again, awful taunting penalty, almost caused havoc. The flag on Waller spiking the ball after basically his first reception uh, and in no way taunting. Um, he then risked ejection every catch after that, which is just madness, and it needs to be dropped now. Inevitable, it will be at the end of the season after a high-profile player gets kicked out of the game in the playoffs. I did see that one, and I'll be perfectly honest, I thought that was a bad call. I think the spiking off the ball, he didn't spike it towards... We talked about this on the pod before. As long as you don't do it in someone's face, or at them, and I don't think he did it at anybody. He did it while the defenders were next to him, but of course they're next to him because they were defending him. So I agree, I thought it was a pretty crappy call. It's not soliciting a lady in a bar, though. Must be no, honest. it's not. TJ Watt, um, Sean Breen, so deliberately tripping an opponent uh, when he couldn't make the tackle, then getting off with it. Uh, I'm sure you are invested in that one. Miles Gaskin gets one. It's a bit, yeah, a bit, like, a bit like the old Ryan Porteous incident at the weekend, which we've been debating. Yeah. <laughs> We're not getting into that, by the way. <laughs> We're definitely not. Matt Nagy gets a couple. Um, so Steve Briggs says... Uh, I know he won last week, but what a ballbag the guy is. Fire him. After possibly the worst offensive performance in 50 years due to his inept play calling, he gets Bill Lazor to call plays, and the Bears look like world beaters. I, okay, I know it was against the <laughs> the Lions. I won't use the word he's put. Uh, and our rookie quarterback looked great. But when asked, he won't say who called the plays. He's then forced to admit it wasn't him, but instead of saying what a great job Lazor did, he says everything still had to go through him. What a ball bag. And if that's not enough, he's still saying that Dalton is the starter. So, yeah, Matt Nagy. Mm. 
Uh, someone, so the second, Alex Beaton, he says of Max, Max, Matt Nagy, there's a fair chance I will nominate him every week, but I struggled to give any credit to Laser for the play calling being a country mile better than it was against the Browns, even though it was just the Lions. Poor Lions. And the Browns were still not exactly amazing. He really is a ballback. The one other nomination that gets into play is, and I think Scott Kirkwood phrases it best, the dick with a half-and-half half Brady jersey. Need I say <laughs> more? Right? So, you know, Ryan Johnson says uh, the Bucks and Pats half-and-half half jersey. What the hell? Uh, that was the thing that I called it out. Sarah Ross is the same. Yeah, anyone wearing a half-and-half half Bucks, Pats, um, half-and-half half Dave Drybrod. This is a big no and should all be put straight in the bin. It was the one that I saw as well where the guy had used the Buccaneers jersey that was the jersey before Brady had even got there. That horrible... We'll call it the Jameis Winston. Um, it was that horrible big digital clock numbered one. I mean, half-and-half half scarfs get rightly trashed uh, when it comes to our football and people get massively offended by it. Now, I don't really... From a tourist point of view, if you're a football tourist and you're seeing a game and you don't really mm. care and you're neutral, I get the appeal of having it. You've got it. It's for your collection. Fine, right? There's a place. There's no place for a half-and-half patched uh, Buccaneers jersey. Nah. No, if you, if you buy a half-and-half scarf, it's because you want to commemorate that you went to a certain game. If you make yourself a half-and-half jersey, it's because you want someone to take a picture of you and call you a wank. <laughs> or get on yep. NBC. Absolutely. You're doing it for attention seeking. Absolutely. So it's between it's between Meyer and the, the half and half jersey. There's a late there is a late entry and it won't make the it won't make the ball bag of the week, but I've just um seen some quotes from John Gruden. His reason for losing and the Raiders losing uh, against the Chargers on Monday night, he has blamed the design of the visiting locker room at SoFi Stadium. <laughs> and it's like a maze. I, the guy who's designed it, I think he needs to have a word with himself. The reason that the visiting locker room is designed like that is to mess with your mind, John. Yes. That's what visiting locker rooms do. If you've ever been fortunate enough to be in the uh, the visiting dressing room at Murrayfield, you'll know that there's a right. massive giant pillar in the middle of it. And yes. that was put there deliberately by Jim Telfer to mess with the mind of the visiting team. Teams do this all the way around the world. Now, the one at Goodison Park is L-shaped. So, the- <laughs> yes. so John Gruden trying to blame that as the reason for the fact that, that, that they've lost. I think he's grasping at straws. So, mm-hmm. John, get with it and deal with it. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the, the, the passion that everyone puts into their arguments for the ball bag. It's like... The, the belt or everyone, okay, they, 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 they want their nomination to win, but the people who nominate their ball bag, they pour their soul into it. <laughs> it it's, uh, it's just, it's joyous. But I'd get, I'd every, give it to every successful me. prosecution needs a strong argument, and Callum's argument for Urban Meyer, as obvious as it was, uh, would persuade any judge in the land. Yeah. Okay, that's I'd one for Meyer. The, I give it to the Bears every week, personally, but Urban Meyer gets it this week. <laughs> okay, I, I think it's. Uh, do you know what? A notable, notable mention for that half and half. Absolutely. But yeah. Urban Meyer, you are the Bobags Bobag of the week. Okay, we need to draw our winners now. So I'll get one of you each to select a number for me. Uh, and today we are between one and thirty-six. So if you took part, <clears throat> you have a 1 in 36 chance of winning the top prize. You've actually got a 1 in 18 chance, I think, if my maths is right, of winning a prize full stop. So, yeah. Um, Jamie, you've not done this one before. In fact, no, Jamie, you you were so passionate about the Bobag Award. I'm going to give you that. So, um, Charles, you can go first. You can select this week's Belter Award winner who gets a bottle of NFL Scotland branded Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers. Well, as you will have known from my previous nominations, I usually pick something cheesy off the back of a Green Bay Packers win, and I'm going to pick the number of the player who is going to make all the difference come uh, playoff time, who rejoin the Packers this year. Number 18, two touchdowns at the weekend, Randall Cobb, so it's number 18. So congratulations to Greg Keenan. Greg Keenan, you win a bottle 
of uh, Loch Lomond whiskey. So there you go. Uh, Jamie, over to you to select the bobag this week. Uh, yeah, there's, there can be only one number in light of that. Then it's number eight is the winner. Number eight. So a pair of bobags underwear goes to David Duncan. Congratulations, David. Uh, a pair of ball bags undies coming in your general direction. So thank you, everybody, that took part in that one. We'll take the opportunity as well to just give a quick update on our Bonnie Sauce Company Pick'em competition to determine the pick king or queen of Scotland in 2021. Um, although technically it does go into 2022, but anyway, it's 2021. Um, we'll not get into that nonsense. There is one winner, uh, one winner. There's one person out on top. So um, I, 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 it keeps changing as well. This is thrilling. I love this part of the season where it moves around. But Dumfries Stevens is up top with a 45 and 19 record. Then there are a number of people with 44 correct so far. The Tartan Cowboy, Steelman's Picks 2s, Juju's Dance Studio, Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants and Reese Evans. We've then got a bunch of people who have had 43 correct that are tied for 7th. We've got Fiery Biscuit, Paul Marney, Doers, David Pearson, Monsters of Doomsday, and Borthwick of the Robert Variety. Um, Jamie, have we made a mistake? Have we drafted the wrong Borthwick? He, 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 can, he can pick. He can pick. He can pick. Oh, I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll I, give him that. But I, I, I'm just playing the long game, lurking around about 105th at the moment. The no one's paying attention to me. Yeah. And that's you're, the doing, you're doing better than me, and I have an excuse as well. So <laughs> It's fine. There's enough Niners bullshit on this uh, podcast without adding another one into the mix. So uh, we've definitely got the right man. Robert, you're welcome anytime. Um, so... Yeah, there you go. Keep making your picks. Uh, I'm actually, I'll, I'll tell you, because I always I always talk about the highest member of the podcast team. It just so happens to be me. I know that's another Bob Ag nomination. It's McGuinness. Not. Don't bother, McGuinness. Oh. But I, I'm currently sitting in 22nd with 41 and 23. I can't see anyone else on the pod higher. So Sod off. That's, it's you know I'm higher than you. <laughs> you know I'm higher than you, and I just made a mess of it. Come on. For, 41 and 23. Um Stop. And I think, what would you be, Patterson? You I would be, be 38 and 26. 38 and 26. So, yeah, behave. Yeah, well. Five, uh, three ahead of you. Simmer down. Yeah. Um, okay, so we kind of <laughs> touched on this, and let's kick off this. It's London time. So, you know, Paul's rested up because he's heading to London. We let him sit this one out. But, you know, the Jets-Falcons had... All the makings of a completely pointless game with two teams that have really showed very, very little. The win at the weekend for the Jets means that both teams go into this as one and three. Whilst the game isn't necessarily relevant, there's signs of life in close matches there for both. It means this could actually be quite a good game. I think both teams will think that they can win it. That's the first thing. Um, the Falcons won a game in New York that they maybe shouldn't have won. And then they lost a game at home to the Washington that they maybe should have won. Um, so you know they're about as predictable as the weather the Jets are not really that good a football team but the lift that they will have had from beating the Titans will have been off the charts so it's weird I mean, which team would you rather be coming into this one I think you'd probably rather be the Jets frankly because the Falcons are in a terribly difficult division and they need to win it to keep their season alive so you'd rather be New York Jets coming into this one the Jets have an opportunity to be the best of an irrelevant bunch in their division, I guess. You know, the Dolphins aren't exactly playing brilliantly. The Patriots aren't doing great. If the Jets could scrape together a couple of wins, there's maybe an argument that says, build on defense, get good on that side, let Wilson have the season to learn the trade. And actually, you may be going to next year in a better position than the Patriots and the Dolphins. Maybe not. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of talent on both those rosters, but there's definitely problems. Um, you know, maybe the Jet the, the Jets have got more that they can achieve in their division this year than the Falcons can. I think with the Panthers playing well, the Saints are still very very relevant. They might not make the postseason, but uh, they'll still get a decent amount of wins. And obviously, the Buccaneers are so far ahead. Now you've got the Bills so far ahead over there, but really, I think. Is it ridiculous? To, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say it out loud. But um, is it ridiculous to think next year the Jets could finish as the second best team in the division if they do the right things and grow in the right areas this year? That's not ridiculous. Teams can turn around that quickly. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. And they're and they're well coached now. And they've 
think they've got a quarterback. If he keeps going, then yeah, no, no, they ab- they absolutely could become relevant. Fact is, if this game wasn't in London, then we wouldn't be given a second thought. Um, and games in London, I don't know, they they rarely um, deliver a, an absolute filibuster, do they? Yeah. Um, and it's been a couple of years since they were actually over and all the rest of it. So I'm like Cockani. It's two teams who don't have much more to lose, and that 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 could play in its favour if I'm being if I'm being positive. Uh, if I'm being negative, then I think it, it is two teams who are going to get knocked off by the travel and the um, situation that they're not used to um, and will both play badly. Sometimes that can be entertaining, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as it's end-to-end, as long as it's a close game, I think, you know, you can definitely take something from it. It's the ones yeah. that are a blowout by half time. you're like... Was a, that was a roller coaster of hype there. Like I started low, went high, back low again. <laughs> maybe, a little, maybe a little peak again at the end, yeah. But there's some, there's definitely some interesting games out of week five as well. Though you know you've got the Seahawks Rams on Thursday night football. That's pretty tasty, especially for Thursday night football. Um, yeah. Beyond that, you've got the Vikings Lions. I'm not sure is relevant. The Vi- the Lions just really struggling at the moment. The Panthers Eagles is really interesting to me. I think that that's two teams like the Panthers. How do they bounce back after that defeat to the Cowboys? You know, defensively they've been so good, but the Cowboys ripped them to pieces. For the Eagles, they continue to show signs of life but in a kind of weird way that you're not quite sure whether they're going to deliver on it or not so I think it's a really interesting game for both teams very significant for the rest of their season if the Panthers can win that that's big it's same for the Eagles brings them back into contention for sure um so that's definitely one of the games I'm looking forward to seeing the most the Packers and the Bengals you'd never think that that was going to be a good game come week five and suddenly it's two and three one teams. And actually, this is a really good test for Green Bay to go to Cincinnati, who are protecting the quarterback now and who've got a good defense, underrated defense. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how Joe Burrow handles a spotlight game now. I mean, obviously, last week was a primetime game that they were playing Jacksonville. This is a real test of how far the Bengals have come. Uh, in the first month of the season. And if, I, I think this is a massively dangerous game for the Packers because the Packers are now rolling. All ye of little faith in week two when you dragged me on after getting pumped by the Saints and you were talking about a crisis. I told you, relax, it was going to be fine. I knew it would be fine because it was going to be fine and it has been fine. And they, they've steamrolled pretty much everybody, let's be honest, since then. This is our test game. The other game that I like the look of um, is the Browns-Chargers game because we saw the Chargers... I mean, they're 2-2, two and two, but I think they're better than that in terms of their... Sorry, apologies. They're not 2-2. Two and two. Sorry, Chargers fans. They are 3-1. Um, they, they they demolished the Raiders, really. They did. And the Browns have have got to 3-1 and one without, without playing very well. So these are two teams who fancy themselves to get to the playoffs, to go deep in the playoffs. Actually, this could have playoff permutations for seeding. So that is a really, really tasty game. And I like the look of it. And then we come to the big um, the showdown on Sunday night with Buffalo, Kansas City. And that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't need an introduction, does it? Mm-hmm. I, we were talking about the Browns there. With all the missing personnel on offense, I expected them to really, really struggle. But it just shows you how deep they are, both sides of the ball, that that they've responded to that and managed to keep on picking up points, picking up wins. It's it it, it it's it's showed that they're they are actually you know a legit postseason team now, and that's how we have to have to treat them. Um, I'm really looking forward to the to the Packers Bengals as well. I think I always thought Joe Burrow would come back strong, um, but I'm just really really delighted that he has and that he's responded to the to the tools that they've got him and. Um, um, remember, we were all um, laughing up our sleeves that they hadn't got him some elite uh, offensive lineman in the draft to help him out. Well, he's uh, he's just shown how much he has been able to to grow. That he's he's got a bit more protection and the amount that he's been able to do with it. Wonderful. That's going to be great to watch. Um, I've just had it kind of messaged through to me there that. Uh, 
they are going the the Sky game at the weekend is going to be the later one is going to be Cowboys Giants. So I'm absolutely buzzing about that. Um, <laughs> Going watching, try. I am what I am watching it with uh, my Cowboys supporting mate. Um, it's great to actually have this game on at an accessible time for once, um, and. The Giants have got a lot better at uh, Jerry Bowl recently than they were to begin with when it was an absolute graveyard for them. Um, so I'm looking forward to... Um, I'll, I'll get a message through to, to DJ, actually, and tell him that he was pipped to the Belter Award by <laughs> Trayvon Diggs this week. Yeah. And he's going and he's gonna absolutely dice him. So I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll put the feelers out, make sure that Danny knows all about that. Yeah. Um, it was, I it hope was you've recorded that as well. You've got to record that, Cameron, and play that back next week when Trevon <laughs> Diggs picks off Daniel Jones six times. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, lots, there's a lot to like. I actually even really like the Ravens Colts for Monday Night Football. That's a decent game as well because the Ravens aren't quite hitting on all cylinders. The Colts are showing flashes. It's interesting, I think, just to see what these two teams are all about. Um, the Raiders Bears. If let's see if Laser, out. it could be a blowout. But let's see if Laser's still in charge. Let's see what the Bears can do against a decent team. Um, was that just a flash in the pan against the Lions? David Montgomery, though, out for a good couple of weeks is a big blow to them. Uh, not a lot of depth at running back. Interestingly, as well, a couple of bits of news breaking at the moment. Uh, the Saints have signed free agent Cody Parkey. Uh, they needed a new kicker. I don't think that's a massive surprise. Um, but also the Saints running back, Tony Jones Jr., has injured himself uh, and is going to be out for a couple of weeks. So the Saints are currently entertaining a couple of running backs. They've had Lamar Miller, Duke Johnson, Brian Hill, Ito Smith, and Ryquel Armstead in today. Um, so, <laughs> sheesh. Um, well, well, who's who of desperate <laughs> uh, fantasy waivers, ghosts of past... <laughs> Yeah, week eight waiver wire targets every season they've ever been in the league. Well, <laughs> Armstead for one week, one time. Yeah, yeah, we've all fallen foul of that. Oh, breakout! No, 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 it really wasn't. Um, so yes, okay. Any other news items that we want to cover this evening, gentlemen? Just think, after the first month, it's difficult to know what the best team in the league is. It's the Cardinals. Well, on the on the face of it, with the record, but are they the best team in football? I don't think you can just judge it on the record. Because if the Raiders had won last night, you would have said that the Raiders are one of the best two teams in football, and I think that that would have been stretching the boundaries of truth. This this season, to me, has not showcased a team that is going to blow everybody away. And I think that that's really interesting. I think I don't think you can pick a team that's going to win the Super Bowl at the moment. No, there's one of a collection. It's definitely one of a collection. I think that, for me, though, the, the two best teams, right? If I'm if you're telling me right now I'm picking two teams to go to the Super Bowl based on what I've seen so far, I'm putting it's the Cardinals against the Bills uh, when yeah. it comes to the Super Bowl. They're the two teams that have been the most entertaining because they've done it on both sides of the ball as well. I think that the Cardinals haven't been sensational on defense. Um, you know, Chandler Jones, what a week one, five sacks. He's not done one since. Um, that, you know, that game against the Titans, the Titans have been massively disappointing. Um, but the Cardinals have shown enough on defense for them to be relevant and absolutely to be a contender. And it's the same for the Bills. The Bills are absolutely slinging it on offense, but the defense has made some really big plays as well. Uh, I think that the Bills' uh, schedule's not been the toughest to date, uh, so it'll be interesting as that ramps up a little bit. But for me, they're the best two standout teams. Right now, yeah, right now they absolutely are. But I think you've got to be a bit of a fool to pick your... Super Bowl teams based on four weeks. I'm a massive believer in that even teams who start slow, they can they can come into it from week 12 onwards. That's where you're looking at, at your playoff runs. And that's where you want your team to start playing as well. It's all very well blowing teams away in week one, two, three. Very rarely does that translate into a long, deep run in the season. Um, so I, I think there's teams that we don't even have in the conversation right now who are going to be deep in the off-season. My final thought is um, if this weekend's London matchup doesn't really float your boat in terms of the juices, wait until the following week when you could have Jacksonville coming in 
with Urban Meyer on the hot seat or possibly flighting off to Iowa State. And then you've got the Miami Dolphins with their fifth choice backup quarterback. That's actually going to be a proper news story week. There's going to be, and this is the journalist in me that loves it. These two teams are car crashes waiting to happen. So if you're going to watch that game, good luck, people. Um, I, and we can exclusively reveal that there is no truth in the rumour that um, Urban Meyer will be making a special fans appearance at Spearmint Rhino. Um, he, he's declined the opportunity. Um, he, he's on to new things. So, yes. There you go. Anyway, that is the full-time whistle for episode 164 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please make sure that you share your thoughts on this in every episode uh, on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter and NFL Scotland on Facebook. If you're going to London, we'll maybe see you there. Do drop us a message on Twitter. Share your photos. Let us see what you're doing. Uh, do check out the NFL Scotland website. Loads of great articles on there. Thank you again to our sponsors this season, to Loch Lomond Whiskey, to Bob Ags Underwear, to the Bonnie Sauce uh, Hot Sauce Company, uh, and thank you to Charles and Jamie, who have stepped in this evening uh, and filled Paul Mitchell's um, surprisingly large shoes for a man of his height. Um, I'm sure he wears a size 11, and he's like five foot two. So, you know, uh, clowny clownerson. Um Thank you for taking the time to listen. It's been a pleasure. We'll speak to you soon. Enjoy your football. But until then, bye for now.